Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Craig Fowler, and I am joined for this occasion remotely by Craig Anderson. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. And Tom Watt. Hello, how are we going? Ah, yes, not too bad, not too bad. Right, have you expected us to talk about Scotland's European Championship qualification draw? Well, you're going to have to get some money at your wallet for that one because we're going to be doing that on the Patreon so you need to listen to our <laughs> thoughts on the group and uh, how the fixtures have, have come out then you're going to have to head to patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast uh, that will be on the £2 per month tier there's also another couple of tiers as well you should head it over everybody who's on it seems to like it so yeah and help us grow and grow and grow and be better as a result of your generosity well let's do Patreon stuff at the end so I just felt like did it at the start for a second and, uh, and then I don't really have to say it then. It's not entirely generosity. They get they get something for their money. It's not like it's not like we're asking for a donation. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's a fair transaction of uh, high quality content. Exactly. Not this one, obviously, because this is going to be. <laughs> this, but you know, we'll, we'll up our game. We 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 have so much more insight when you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, let's uh, begin with the definitely the, the most shocking result of the Scottish Premiership weekend that came at Tannadice, where Dundee United, previously winless Dundee United, previously having been embarrassed in just about every game they've played so far this season, Dundee United managed to defeat Aberdeen by four goals to nil. Now, I watched this game back, but I already knew the score and I was travelling on a bus. Uh, first a bus heading into Glasgow City Centre and then another bus heading back through to Edinburgh. So probably not the best of 
insights from me, but I do have some thoughts. But uh, Tom, I'm sure you, as an Aberdeen fan, would have been watching this <laughs> very closely live. What were your thoughts on the what would turn out to be an eventual mauling? Um, embarrassing, right? Uh, com- completely embarrassing. And in a way, it's been coming because the when when when, that, when Aberdeen clicked, they've been very very good. But the the big wins over Killy, Livy, St Mirren were all like slightly they they flattered they flattered um, a little bit. But but at home. Have Aberdeen have been pretty good? The the uh, the teams clicked. It's been pretty decent, but have been they've been they've been rotten away from home for almost two years. I mean, with the exception of St Mirren and Livingston, it has been almost two years since Aberdeen won in the league away from home. It was Kilmarnock in December twenty twenty. Well, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, all the way back to sort of September before that. Um, before there was an away win, so the, the away form has been horrendous. Um, but like I say, Dundee United, without any semblance of form, without looking like they were going to click at any point, and playing a back three which had two fullbacks in it, um, seemed like and with like a, a huge travelling support, uh, you know, three three thousand odd fans came down for it. Seemed like it was, um, you know. To pick up where they left off after last weekend, and Dundee United just did—they'd done their homework. They knew that if you sat in and let Aberdeen have the ball, um, when you can break against them, you'll get you'll get numbers. They knew if you isolate Jaden Richardson, he'll make mistakes. Um, they knew that they would be they, they would be uh, vulnerable to balls in the box, and. It was 4-0 and in lots of ways, for, for, for 40 minutes, Aberdeen had most of the possession. Miofsky had a couple of decent chances, but when they didn't score, and then very quickly Dundee United scored two before the break, they just gave up at half time. And we're ultimately unlucky, we're ultimately lucky that it was 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 only four. It, it's gone from, in the in the space of a week, from being, there's real progress here, and this is, like, it's very hard to get a bead on what this team is. Yeah, I mean, talking about kind of how the first half went with those two quick goals, I think that was, I mean, maybe state the obvious to say that the goals were important, but I think they were because, especially so in this game, because Dundee United, what a lot of their embarrassments have have in common is that, well, in the the AZ game at least, they actually started the game well. Actually, same with the Hearts game as well, losing four goals to Hearts, they're looking worse and worse with every passing match. But they actually started that game, I know they didn't start it well because they lost the goal in 30 seconds, but for the first half they were, they were quite good. But they really don't seem to, at any point in the season, have re- reacted at all well to adversity. And Aberdeen did have their chances. Tom, you called them decent. Uh, Craig, I would say, Majofsky, the chances he missed, I would say the first one especially, is absolute sitter. Yeah, I think it, because he's facing away from goal, people could be fooled into thinking it's the less good chance than it is, but he has so much time, he could bring the ball under, turn and put it into the net almost, and he's like trying, it's like he, he kind of lashes, lashes at it, it's the wrong word, but he he's, tries to do everything too quickly when he has more time than he thinks he does. But there was a an array of chances that Mayovsky missed throughout the game, and I, I, kind of, I wish he'd been um, as kind of profligate in front of goal last week, because he... 
he seems to be a, you kind of get that vibe off him that he's maybe a bit of a um, a hot and cold type player and that was very much a cold day on, on Saturday because he he passed up yeah three pretty good chances that I would expe- I would have expected him to score um, given what we've seen from him so far and ultimately that might well have been the difference between Aberdeen getting something out of the game because if they as you said if they go 1-0 up think it's a completely different story because United, the, the defending a couple of times from United that led to those chances was really poor and you could imagine, you know, that that big chance that you talked about goes in and there's an inquest and everyone's shouting at each other and everyone's on each other's back and Aberdeen just go on and, and run away with the game um, and instead of United run away with it and I think it's often kind of overlooked that momentum can be such a big thing in games like this because you look at it and see Dundee United winning 4-0 and assume that, you know, no matter what had happened, United would have won the game. But I don't think that's really how it panned out. I think Aberdeen did have the better of the game up until um, up until United scored. But then when United got that confidence, they played the way I think a lot of us expected them to play this season with the kind of players they had. You know, quick, direct, um, create lots of chances, get the ball in the box a lot bits of creativity, bits of flair, bits of skill and exciting and we've not really seen that from them, they've been stodgy, they've been boring even when they've had their better spells it's been quite slow and it's been quite methodical and I think when they threw caution to the wind a bit more you actually saw a much more interesting team I'd say sure that's your, that was a left back or, or up in the box kind of scoring that goal uh, from open play, that's what you want to see from a team, if you're going to sign players that like Behic who's I mean, clearly his, his best abilities are in attacking. They're, they're certainly, certainly not <laughs> yeah, defensively strong. Defensively, even this game, he was still absolutely pish. <laughs> so, if you want, if you want to do that, then you need to get, you need to make the most of these guys. There's no point in signing an, an attacking fullback and then not giving them the opportunity to, to attack. Um, There's and, no and, point and in signing Tony Watt and sticking him out in the left wing all the time. It's the same, and and, and I remember at the start of the season that first game and I was watching them and they put Harks was playing almost right off um, Fletcher and you've got Tony Watt out in the left wing and you think you know what's the what's the plan here what's the the idea here? And, and, and yes Watt's a creative player but he's not he, we'll talk we'll talk about in the Kelly game a forward playing wide left and not being able to offer enough defensively and if you've got a fullback who we've mentioned struggles and you're hanging them out to dry and it's looked a bit like that, but yeah, with with what essentially, and it was enforced, of course, with Fletcher not being available, but it made a difference to them, and you saw it, and, and yeah, they were aided and abetted, because I would say that all four goals were directly from fairly major errors from Aberdeen players, um, I, I think Coulson is, is terrible for the first two goals. The first one in particular, he's like just sleeping at that throw-in, um, but then Ross McCrory for the latter two goals as well, can have a debate about the own goal and whose fault that is, but McCrory was was really poor at the third goal. And the thing that disappointed me, and I'm sure it would have disappointed you, Tom, from an Aberdeen perspective, is every single one of those goals featured defenders just jogging when there was a kind of critical moment in the game. And and it's just it's just something I don't think is acceptable. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's strange. I mean, one of the one of the clear differences from last season has been the fitness, and that's obviously been something that they've worked on, and obviously, and and never letting it go. So, one of the reasons that there's been four and you know scored four a couple of times, scored five once a season, has been you know at, at three keep going, 
keep pushing. Keep, and that team is not set up to be like I think only Celtic have conceded less fouls. It's not a it's not a physical team. It's a team designed to press and designed to push and designed to run for the entire game. Just down tools in the second half, and especially the younger players who are meant to were there to be runners um, was really disappointing. And the I think for most of the season so far. Goodwin's roughly. I mean, this this was as strong a squad as he's had. He's had has had everyone bar. I think there's only one one injury. It's pretty much a full strength squad, and to have all of that and not, you know, I think he's tried to keep a, a settled side, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna have to ring the changes a little bit for um, uh, for the weekend. I think ironically, for this now being a Goodwin side, he said. It wouldn't take long to sort out the defence. It's going to take a while to sort out that defence. It's still going to take a wee while. Ironically, for this now being a Jim Goodwin side with players that he, the one thing they are missing is a Jim Goodwin kind of character in the middle of the park. Um, there is a lot of pretty footballers. There's an awful lot of, um, there's a bit, bit like even the 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 difference that like Jamie McGrath made when. Like he he won more tackles than anyone else on the pitch. He blocked more shots than anyone else on the pitch. He was the the the, the most obvious creative outlet and got a goal. I mean, admittedly from a penalty, but um, the the difference that that made with somebody who was throwing themselves around a little bit. I mean, maybe maybe Connor Byron will do that a little bit. He's a, he's hardly the world's most imposing figure, but he is a little bit more all action. Um, the difference that made when. Dundee United got their tails up was 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 huge and yeah incredibly disappointing that um, it, it seemed like oh well we're going to lose and the reaction afterwards I mean admittedly Goodwin hasn't come out and said anything but um, Lee Sharp was put up uh, uh, instead and the the reaction seems to be well it was three points and it was but it was a good chance to go third it was a good chance to really push on and show a bit of momentum against the side that have been horrendous so far this season. I mean, credit to Dundee United. I didn't think at any point when they were at the bottom of the league they would finish bottom of the league. I still think there are a lot of there's a lot of work to be done. And if they concede the first, like you said, then it will be interesting to see if they can continue, you know, hold back any momentum. But it does look like there are a couple of worse sides at least in them this season. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Right, let's move on and uh, talking about being hauled back. Celtic were hauled back in the 94th minute, 93rd, 94th minute, and yet still got the victory. Craig, I know you were quite vociferous in your reaction to, to Dre Wright's part in this, this winning goal for Celtic. Have you, have you softened your stance a little bit in the last couple of days? Not really, no. <laughs> um, I, just, I just think... I got I got I got a mixed response I would say to to my comment about him, but I just think it's see see if that was like five minutes to go and you're like I'm I'm not getting through this game, 
fair enough, but 30 seconds to go, I, I if he'd broken his leg or something, fair enough, like you're obviously not going to be able to hobble about, but I just think, are you really so incapable at that point, even if you have twisted your ankle, of going going to the ball, kicking the ball out of play, literally grabbing the opposing player by the shot so that he doesn't get past you, just doing anything that prevents what happened from happening. Now, I don't think he's the only one at fault because I think Ali Crawford, um, not only does Ali Crawford give him the ball, now you can maybe forgive Crawford and that maybe he doesn't see that he's in distress, but Crawford then just jogs. I was talking about jogging earlier. Yeah. Uh, now, now, probably it doesn't impact the game. Right? Probably it doesn't matter, but there are many circumstances where it could have mattered. But yeah, for me, right, who I thought had a really good game, um, was... <laughs> I don't think it's very yada to say, like, I'm I'm not saying, you know, players should be playing on through concussions or any of that stuff. You know, it's not like I'm trying to kind of suggest a player puts himself at grave risk. But I think if you've got a twisted ankle, I, I can just think back to, to my refereeing days. There was a game where I jumped over the ball and twisted my ankle about the 30th minute of the game and then continued refereeing the game because it never really felt that bad and then as soon as I got off the pitch that's when it ballooned up you would have thought the adrenaline everything in that situation would have kept him going and he doesn't again he doesn't need to contribute positively he just needs to do anything apart from just hop out the way of the ball um, is it on, I mean some people disagree with me but I just think that is not it's as I say, I don't know, maybe it does sound like your dad, but it's like if you're part of a team, you sometimes do have to go through the pain barrier a bit and, and it felt like he wasn't willing to. I mean, I th- I don't, like you say, I don't think he was the only one. At fault. I think it was, I, I think as well, Aaron McGowan as well. Or, or, to, uh, McGowan, anyway, um, I think it's him that's let's, that could have just, you know, if he'd gone through the ball and, and cleared it, get got rid of it. Uh, on the byline then I think that the dangers and what's so frustrating from a St. Johnson point of view is everything went right for them like if you're going to get anything from Celtic you need them to miss chances you need like a couple of players to be off the uh, off the boil you need them to be getting in each other's way and then you get an equaliser late on literally one more touch of the ball between in the in the 30 seconds that's um, that, that's left to play then You've got a point, and you've got a very, very valuable point at that point because it's, um, yeah, like you're you're at the bottom of the league. You're the team, um, or the team below you is, um, wins. It's, I, I mean, if it's if the, you don't know what's going through his head, like you don't know what's going through, um, Ryan McGann, sorry, not Ryan McGann. Um, you don't know what's going through his head. I think if it's, if the pain is so bad that he's just like. Blinded by everything that's going on round about. You mean you mean, you mean Dre right? You mean Dre right in that instance? He just gets distracted as well. I, I do in that instance. Sorry, yeah, I, 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 Dre, <laughs> but I think there, there's a... throwing out so many names here, Tom. You know, I, Aaron McGowan, Ryan McGowan, Dre so, right. You know? <laughs> so, like, so uh, Ali Crawford give, playing the ball is is daft when you don't need to. Dre right, unless there is like serious, you know serious serious pain that's so blinding that you can't see there there's a, a match just put a toe somewhere near the ball and um and Ryan McGowan like just clean clean it out clean the man out you've got he had enough time to go through the ball and make a clean tackle put it into touch and that's the end of the game because St. Johnson weren't good 
like they yeah they camped on the edge of their box um and yeah they were down early on because of the own goal but it was the the only like the 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 own goal went in because they were they had eight men in the box almost at all points if you look at a heat map it's basically 10 yards out from goal in a straight line and Celtic had their chances yeah but St Johnston had their chances and the Celtic were not at the races at all, and to get a, to get um, to get a, a, an equaliser so late on, and then immediately just basically telegraph the way along the left wing is that. I have a wee bit. I can take a wee bit of exception to what you're saying there, Tom, about them being good and about kind of basically about their game plan working. Because yeah, that to for ninety four and a half, ninety five plus ten seconds <laughs> minutes, whatever. Because they had, they were about to hold Celtic, and they were about to get a draw against Celtic. But like, like you said, Celtic were not good, and this was another Celtic team that made a number of changes. And if we compare this with St Mirren and how St Mirren approached their game against Celtic, yeah, they let Celtic have the ball, and they were deep at times, but they also put a number of players into their starting eleven. St Mirren did, who were capable of hurting Celtic on the counter attack, and, and capable of transitioning quickly and running at them and making them think. It wasn't until the substitutes that St. Johnson really started to do that against Celtic in this game. And I just think it was maybe a, a wasted opportunity in the end to not to try and have a... to copy St. Mirren's formula and have a go at them from the start. Because, I mean, and I know they probably would have had maybe thoughts about doing it in terms, but like once they got the ball, but it's just the players they had on the field. Like James Brown at left wing back. A midfield that has Ryan McGowan, Melker Halberg, and uh, the Ukrainian laddie, who I'm not going to say. Jamie Murphy playing up front. Like, it's just, in terms of a start delivery, like, you've got defenders in midfield, midfielders in attack. You know, a guy who is a, a serviceable defender, played at left wing back, and just screams, like, just trying as much. To, to be fair, to just what they've done. Let's just try and keep it as as close as possible to the closing stages and maybe try and hit them. But I don't know. I think with Celtic, having played in Europe in midweek, having looked so poor against St Mirren, going again with a very much changed lineup, I thought there was an opportunity there to really have a go at them from the start and they didn't do it. And I know it's easy to say and I sometimes, I often get annoyed when people say that about Celtic Rangers. Oh, why don't you just have a go at them? But, well, typically because people talk about it when you're playing at Celtic Park or Ibrox and it's a lot harder. But in this game, I really thought it was a... When you factor in all the circumstances, I thought St. Johnson should have... The, the team that basically settled with for the last half hour, 20 minutes, I thought they should have went that with the start. And I kind of thought that as the game was going along, even before Celtic took the lead. Because Celtic... It took Celtic so long to take the lead, not because St. Johnson were particularly good, in my opinion, just because Celtic couldn't get going. Uh, yes y- yes and no, I think. Yeah, yes and no. I think the, the big difference... The big difference with the... Is, I think there's two big differences. One, St. Mirren are quite good. And have got options. That's true. St Johnson, St Johnson are not very good and don't have a huge amount. They've they, they've got some, but not a huge amount of options. And the other is that I think you could. St Mirren are now in a position where they feel pretty confident with their defence that they're not going to do anything daft. And I don't think St Johnson are there yet either. Um, yeah, it. Took, I mean, I, I I take the point that when the when they made their substitutions, they got a bit they got a bit more joy. But I can see why when you're bottom of the league, you're and it's still you know they took a while. Celtic didn't. Celtic were were incredibly wasteful with whatever they did create. They they were they were poor. 
but it took a while for them to score. And then while it is still 1-0, I can see why they didn't they didn't change it up. And St. Johnson had two much better chances to score the, before they actually did. So I can see why there was maybe like, why they felt, but I, you know, I, 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 I take the point that you might want to have a go at them, but equally, even a, even a Celtic team that's at half strength can still turn you over four or five if you're low on confidence. But I think that the, it's only now we're kind of seeing just how damaging losing Callum McGregor is going to be because I think he's the one player there isn't, there's a huge drop off in quality for whoever comes in to replace him. And I think even if in any other position, there is a fairly decent, um, decent deputy. I don't think there is, uh, for, for McGregor. And I think it meant that the, the Celtic didn't have tempo. They were getting in each other's way. There were like bo- bodies flooding forward that. So yeah, I can see that potentially a, a, a lot of the reason that um, it stayed tight was was down to Celtic, but it always is, really. Yeah, I suppose. I think with St. Johnson, they, they did basically line up the exact same way in midweek at Rugby Park, so I think, I think there is an aspect of like, that's just how they play. They were terrible at Rugby Park on Wednesday night as well, so I thought they might have changed it a little bit more. Um, Ryan McGowan in midfield, it, it, to me, it just doesn't work. Like He, he was he was diabolical in midweek. Um he wasn't quite as bad, but he was still not exactly brilliant there. But yeah, it is hard to say because, but for but for bad luck, and it is still bad luck because regardless of saying what Dre, you know, Dre Wright should have done something differently, it's terrible luck to pull up just at that specific moment when you're probably just a punt up the park away from a draw. Um, but it's yeah, they, they Celtic will keep going to the end, and you know that, and it just takes that one wee moment to to get them, but. It does have to be concerning for Celtic that that's basically four poor performances in a row from them. Um, they, they got the win against Motherwell somewhat unconvincingly last weekend and then um, the, the two other league games and then the European game. Two really big games coming up for them in Europe and they, they potentially need two wins at Celtic Park that should, should probably be enough to put them second in that group. I mean, not guaranteed, but... And two two results that you wouldn't put past them, but they are going into it in, in pretty poor form and as you say, missing key players. So it's I think it's a difficult time for them and, and it almost feels that like they're probably quite keen. I was going to say quite keen for the break of the World Cup, but of course they're being jetted halfway around the world in that period, so I don't know how much of a break it will be for them. They do have uh, three interesting fixtures coming up in domestic football. They're at home at Hibs. Now, you would typically fancy them, obviously, to win that game, but Hibs do have some, like, and Martin Boyle is the kind of player that is if you're a team like well, if you're a team like anybody else other than Celtic or Rangers in this league going to one of the old firm and Martin Ball's the exactly the type of player you want and Hibs' defence has been pretty solid this season then they go away to Motherwell in the cup and then they play Hearts away and that's uh, well sorry that's an automatic three points in. forget about the last one uh, in fact let's, let's stay with Hearts because they got a 2 all draw at Rugby Park on Sunday um, I, I didn't watch this one I watched the highlights that was frustrating enough, uh, but it could have been beaten. But at the same time, you think, well, if they'd taken chances in the first half, and also if again they hadn't defended like complete schoolboys, one from a set piece and all with Craig Gordon just having an absolute howler, then it maybe could have been a different day. So 
it's one of those games you can say a few what ifs, but if you're a Hearts fan, I think with a last minute stunner from Nathaniel Atkinson, you just kind of have to be content with a point. Craig, from a Kamarnock point of view, how frustrating was that finale? Yeah, and it, it, it was telegraphed. I talked about the midweek game against St Johnston and Kelly were 2 0 up and cruising in that game, and the substitutions weren't quite right. And the same thing happened again, and we got away with it against St Johnston in the basis that, well, we, they, they didn't score their first goal until like the 92nd minute, so there wasn't really much chance of a second one coming. But it was really frustrating in the aspect that when Kelly went 2 0 up, the momentum of the game, it felt like it was more likely to be like 3-4-5, like just the way the game was going. Hearts were rattled. Hearts are obviously on the downer. The crowd was really getting going. It was pretty noisy, all the rest of it. And then it's one cheap ball over the top. It's a nice pass from Snodgrass, but you shouldn't be conceding a goal like that. And that kind of just took the stuffing out. And then that was compounded by by what I described. What I will say is like, that's the, the last two games I've been at at Rugby Park like really with Kelly the difference with Kelly with having two wingers in the team and and, uh, and Armstrong and Jones is stark a really exciting team to watch in two really quite exciting games not necessarily high quality games but I think a couple of people earlier in the season had kind of said about you know maybe being the most boring team in the league and all that but I think that was minus you know Jones was obviously out and that left the that was I think a big part of our game plan was having wide players who could attack because I think we're, we're, we're lacking otherwise and all of a sudden having Jones and Armstrong back the two of them dovetailed really nicely Armstrong has been superb in both games um, just something I didn't expect from him and suddenly you th- you think like if we play like that every week at Robbie Park we won't lose many home games but we've taken exactly zero points away from home so far this season which is obviously a bit of a concern so what I would say is like massively much more positive coming out of those two games, but also the squad depth was shown up really badly. And Kyle Lafferty, as I talked about last week, is about 10 days away from probably a 10-game ban. <laughs> so um, that's an issue because he was really good in both games. Um, and it's a damning indictment on Christian Doidge that Kyle Lafferty is 35, had played started the game in midweek and then had 60 minutes in his legs on yesterday before he went off and yet bringing on a 30 year old fresh legs of Christian Dodge immediately slowed everything down he was less mobile he was less um, had less speed about him everything else he's done he's done it's like can we stop this (laughs) I felt like as soon as the transfer was made oh like like Christian Dodge he'll suit the Kamarok type of play and it's like no no he's like that injury killed him it's sad and it's but it's true. Like he's never been the same since that injury. One 0 down, chasing the game. Maybe chuck him on because he might, you know, be able to head the ball in the opposing box. But that he offered so little. Probably we could have got away with that. But Ollie Shaw was brought on. I would have personally put Shaw on through the middle instead of Dodge, and I think that would have been fine. Jones didn't look that tired, although I appreciate he's coming back from an injury. But he put Shaw on wide left, and as a defensive player, he just. He, He's not a wide player, so he kind of struggled to track the runs of Atkinson. And that became a big part of what Hearts did from that point onwards. And that, to me, was the sub that um, that really ended up costing the game. Now, he gives away the free kick um, that the goal ultimately comes from, but that's not the main thing. It's just he constantly let 
Hearts in. He obviously also misses a really big chance to make it 3-1, which probably kills the game off um, when he goes one-on-one with Gordon. And Gordon is so far out that he just needs to get any sort of height on it. And it's a goal. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really frustrating as an afternoon, but at the same time you come away and think, do you know what, we, we got away with a couple of refereeing decisions probably, we got away with Hearts missing a couple of really big chances, but it's really frustrating, and it's really frustrating in the sense that the first goal is avoidable, the second goal, yeah, you don't give away the cheap free kick, but I don't think, and McKinney said it in his post-match interview, I don't think Kelly do much wrong from that point onwards. Taylor gets the ball clear, gets his head on the ball, and that ball falling to Atkinson on his left foot at the edge of the box. I wouldn't have thought goal, put it that way. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's maybe you get a deflection in a corner, but most likely it gets sclaffed into the you know into the stand or something. But a really entertaining game. I thought I thought Hearts, <sighs> the attacking players like showed glimpses of what they could do. The, the exception to that was Humphreys, who was really, really good. Um, I think I really, I've really liked him every time I've seen him. Um, and and the, the way he took his goal was really nice. You can question Hemming maybe being a bit slow off his line. You can definitely question the shape of the defensive line, but the touch to go around the keeper. And that finish in European football, that's a goal for all the time. But how often do we see players in the Scottish Premiership not score that yeah. chance? I would say almost more than half the time. They'll either overcompensate and cut it back too much, or they'll hit it into the side netting, or they'll hit it so weakly that the defender will get it back. But it was precise from him, and that was really good. And I thought he was a constant thorn in, in Kelly's side. And, and Atkinson was the other player who I thought played really, really well for Hearts. Beyond that, I, the big, big boy Keo, um, half a million quid, does not look well spent there. Um, maybe he's still adapting to Scottish game. Maybe it doesn't rain in any of the other countries that he's ever played in. Because have you, have you had to see anything speak. that says he's a, an improvement on Peter Harren? I mean, maybe more mobile for the European games is a big thing, but in domestic football, Harren helps Tarps control midfield areas. And I've yet to see anything from Keogh that suggests he can do the same. That has been in the post for a while for Craig Gordon, though. Um, I week. I watched him for Scotland in all three of those games, constantly being asked to play out from the back. Um, and then throughout that game, he had a couple of near misses with Lafferty already, where Lafferty closed him down really well. I think there was one when McKenzie closed him down and he just got out of it. And and you could see it coming a mile off. And yes, he slips on that occasion, but Kelly Ware doing really well at pressing that. Um, and, and it did feel a bit inevitable. And um, he... It's hard because I think I I am generally a fan of playing out from the back. I think it um, it brings more positives than it does negatives most of the time. And I think when you're playing a team like Kelly, um, it's a really good way to draw us out because, to be honest, once you get past the front three in our press, the midfield's so passive that defenders are getting a full run, 60 yards to do something. And we've seen, seen us concede a lot of goals. So I can completely understand it. But you have to take the downsides with that I thought the funny thing is that Hearts have got two goalkeepers now that neither of them are really particularly capable of that because I was thinking oh would that make a difference if Xander Clark was playing I'm like no he is even more lumbering Um, but it was very funny Um, sadly couldn't cherish it as much as I would have liked to come come full time but I I left those two games from Kelly because I was pretty pretty down on on our chances last week. Um, but after these two games, I'm much more positive. It just St Mirren away next week. We need to start picking up points away from home, and I'll be pretty confident we'll do fine. 
Can I ask the the, the, the Barry Mackay question? Because dreadful, it was dreadful. Oh well, all, was was unbelievable. Good last season um, has had so much praise for finding incredible angles. Found an incredible angle very early on. Like I I don't know how you do that from just let the ball hit you and it goes in. But there seems to be an awful lot of talk about how he's not been very good. He started the season all right, but like in recent games, and he does need to be dropped. I would say it's still a bit overstated uh, in terms of his form of the season. I still think he's been one of Hart's best players. Um, it's just it's not reached the level because of last campaign. I didn't see this, the Killy game, for instance. Um, but I didn't like... Um, was he played as a number 10, Craig? Uh, then let me think. Yeah, he was because he was the... yeah. Yeah, right. He, he kind of drifted left sometimes, but he was. That's um, that's a problem in its own. I would say I don't think I mean, you can see the thinking. Barbara, you know, one of his main strengths is through balls. All right, stick him at number ten. Doesn't work for whatever reason. It doesn't work as well. He doesn't. I don't think he has the awareness required as a number ten to find those pockets of space that he's able to find coming in off the left wing. I think he has to be on the left wing. And, and play from there. He doesn't really act like a left winger when he's there. He always wants to run inside, but I think that's better for his game. So that's a that's a problem. I would also say as well that the team changes around him every bloody game. Like, Hearts are just absolutely... I know I'm kind of a broken record at this point, but it's true. Hearts are absolutely toiling with these extra games and the extra demand on the players and on a squad that's not good enough to handle it. And they're having to chop and change, especially going forward at the back as well because of all the injuries. But going forward, it, it changes every single game. And if you're somebody like Mackay... And I don't think it's... You could probably see it last season as well. When he first came in, he, he was showing glimpses, he was showing potential, but he was... And I liked the signing quite early. Well, I liked the signing when it was immediately made, but even after a, like four or five games when he hadn't really done much, I was still like, no, nah, I like a look at him as a player. And then it really took off once he built an understanding because Hearts had a fairly settled team last season. And they really don't in this campaign. And I think that's to the detriment of Mackay. It's to the detriment of the players in general. And it's getting to the stage now where I'm just thinking, sod Europe, <laughs> punt Europe, and just like get the same team playing domestically every match, and then let's just go for there. I've turned it. I've basically turned it to the, the. It's like the Spurs version of me. Like sod it, lose the Champions League game as long as we win this game at the weekend, so we can get back to the Champions League next season. So it's all about the Benjamins, I like how you baby. See that on the on the verge of uh, travelling to Florence to watch that Euro- <laughs> European game as well. Well, that's <laughs> thing. I don't. I don't. I don't actually want. To, I don't care if I was actually winning these games. I just want to go to foreign countries and then drink and then watch my team play over there, or, or really just be in the the company of fellow fans in a foreign country. Which we would just do this every year. And just saw actually having to qualify. Just all like just two thousand Hearts fans agree to to pick a European city and diverge on it for three days. Been there, oh, done I'm- that. <laughs> While I remember, if you want, um, I did find a, a restaurant. I've just come back from Florence. Nothing to do with football, but there is a place that at lunchtime does unlimited wine for five euros a person. Right, Tom, you're going to give me that name of that restaurant <laughs> later on. But first, we shall head off to Easter Road for the game I was at on Saturday. Hibs won, Motherwell nil. I was quite bitter about this game, not for the final result, but it's the fact that I had uh, I had Edinburgh City, or whatever they fucking call themselves these days, Edinburgh City to win. Um, Wraith Rovers to win and I had Hibs and Motherwell over two and a half goals and that was for a hundred quid now with me heading off to Florence that would have been absolutely perfect didn't happen because there was only one goal in this game having watched I was at the match after 20 minutes if you'd said this is going to end the 1-0 someday I mean 
I probably would have said, yeah, because I've got money on it, so that makes sense. But if I was a, if I was a neutral and I didn't have any skin in the game, I'd be like, no, nah, no chance. Because it, it seemed like any time a team went forward, they had so much space in behind to attack. And Motherwell had their opportunities to hurt Hibs early. And it was really just a case of Joe Efford, whose pace really troubled Marianne Cabrera. But as Joe Efford typically does, I mean, he'd done it against... Um, County in midweek with a, with a good ball for Van Veen but typically when Efford gets in a good position you don't expect a good final ball and that was what happened at Easter Road but then Motherwell themselves were hurt a few times with Ellie Yuhan getting in behind and similar to Efford actually it's kind of fine <laughs> because if Yuhan gets in behind he doesn't seem to do it once he gets in the penalty area except if he's playing against Hearts of course uh, and it was, it was just like that back and forward and then Motherwell especially kind of wisened up and thought, right, we can't let them have too much space in behind all game, because one of the times, one of these through balls is going to go to Martin Boyle instead of Yuhan, and that's definitely going to be an issue. So they really sat back a bit deeper. They still carried a bit of an attacking threat, but it wasn't the same. And for that point forward, the game really bogged down until the red card. And the red card is spectacular. It feels like, makes a, makes a wee intervention, then completely gives up on the play, as if that's enough. So he kind of moves to like almost a walking pace and then he figures out what's happening. He starts picking up the pace again. He then diverts the ball through for Porteous and then he hauls Porteous down when I think there's a decent chance his keeper might be getting there before. And also it's a opposing player set a half. Maybe just see. Maybe just it's, it's an impulsive decision. So that's probably the, the least of the three mistakes he makes. But it was just an absolute catalogue of errors. And I mean... Motherwell, for that point, then showed a wee bit more gumption and perhaps... Well, they never really created a chance. I had that shot for Goss that was that was that brought out a good save from Marshall. But they, they did at least carry a bit more threat from from the point forward. But it still... You still could have thought as soon as the first goal went in. And an excellent header for Pochus, who I have to say, for the third game in, in a row, Ukraine awaited Ross County and then this one. Outstanding. Man of the match by an absolute mile. And uh, he and Paul Hanlon played really well. Other than that, there wasn't a whole lot to write home about for Hibs. But at the end of the day, they're winning. They're winning all the time. They've won four games in a row. They're in third place. They've not played well. And I think part of that is the fact that the midfield is still the weakest part of the team. But Kyle McGuinness is coming back. If he's anything like the player he was at the start of last season, that's a huge boost for them. And Kevin Nisbet's coming back. And if he's even if he's the player he was pre-injury that season where he wasn't great but he was still a decent threat in the opposing penalty area and playing with better players around him should make him even better that's a Hibs team that for me as a Hearts fan right now is quite scary I think I think the, the thing you were denied was um, with the Shield Red card was Ryan Portis one-on-one with a goalkeeper which is something I've not <laughs> seen before and I would be quite keen to see because you feel like he could do any, he could literally do anything he could try and dive for a penalty he could Blitter the ball full speed, or he could like try and dink the goalkeeper, and you have no. He's one of those players you have you, you have no sense of what's coming next from him. Um, but the the red card is one of the things that is a bit of a. It's always a question mark for me, which is when you're defending a corner and you leave a forward back purely on the basis that they're small. Yeah. Um, but then if they ever have to do any defending you see like slapstick stuff like that it wasn't just him I think the, the whole defense, defensive unit as it was the three players that were left back um, none of them covered themselves in very much glory with that because you and jogs out of defense I would say I think you saw the, the, the most of his pace he tries to play that ball it bounces about and, and it, it was really quite poor um, 
and and yeah, it's a it's a real mistake from Shields. But on on the whole, Hibs have been the polar opposite of what I expected from them because everything I read about Johnson and everything I've seen from the players they signed, I thought they're going to try and attack all the time. They might win five 0 sometimes, but they'll also take some pastings. Um, and and the Falkirk game kind of confirmed those suspicions to me at the start of the season. I thought right, they're going to be a bit of a a basket case club and, and they're going to be really exciting to watch. And then every time I've seen them since then, they've kind of ground out wins and they've they've not been unexciting, but nor have they been both in a negative and a positive way, kind of box office in any way, um, apart from Portis being the kind of one-man box office that he is. And that, that's kind of a good thing for a Hibs fan and, and a bad thing for everyone else, essentially. I, I was going to ask you a, a referee-related question. So uh, as a referee... Does the player, does the player or players involved come into your thinking at all when it's prevention of a clear goal scoring opportunity? So, it's obviously, like, it's obviously yeah. hard for me to say because the, the games that I refereed was like I didn't know who the players were, but um, the it shouldn't. I mean, you basically are assessing it as as that a goal scoring opportunity, um, and clearly a player going one on one with a goalkeeper is. Um, it wasn't clear cut to me enough that the keeper would have got there before Portis. I think there was definitely enough to say compared to the, for example, it was much more clear cut to me than the Lewis Nielsen one from midweek where there was a chance that, that Gordon was getting um, getting there before the player that went through. But this one, maybe the goalie would have got there, but I think there was, I think it was a pretty nailed on red card. Um, and yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't in theory affect you who it is. Okay, let's move on to our penultimate game, which is Rangers Force at Mirren Nil. I think it was you, Tom, that watched that one. What was your thoughts on it? Um, it's a game that Rangers score really early on, and then it's the end of it. Like, I mean, in theory, St Mirren have been St Mirren have been very good this season. They've been very solid. They've been good defensively. They have a lot of energy in midfield, um, and they've you know they've they've caused. They caused Celtic a lot of problems a couple of weeks ago. Beat them. They've caused most teams they've played so far this season. They look like a team that is starting to click, and there's a bit more left in them. So in theory, this seemed like right. That you know that don't know where what don't know what we're going to get with Rangers on any given week. Um, but Kolak scores like a kind of Sabutio goal. That basically he's two yards out, and it comes back off the post, hits him, and it, it goes in. Um, from that point onwards, it, it was like it, it, it's hard. It's hard to read too much into any of it. Rangers get a penalty. Not sure it's a penalty. Um, Gallagher wins the ball, but I can completely see. I don't think he plays um, Kolak first, but I can completely see why the referee um, why the referee gives that. But from uh, at that point onwards, it was. It was quite an open game, and it was a case of how many are Rangers going to score. Um, where I think I was particularly impressed with uh, with Rangers is it, that, like I said, that that's in mid and midfield three have an awful lot of energy. They press really well, um, and they, they 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 do their fair share of defensive uh, of really good defensive work. What I think was particularly impressive with. Uh, for Rangers were when they were committing men forward and like Sakala had a good game, Kola had a good game, Arfield was pretty decent. Um, 
when they were committing kind of the front five, really, St. Mirren were kind of soaking that up and were, were okay kind of going man to man. Where Rangers were causing them an awful lot of problems was was passes coming from deep. So they were play, you know, they were they were playing the ball back. They were getting an awful lot of time to pick a pass, and then the passes and the turns um, from either from wide areas or you know directly to the edge of the eighteen yard box were causing some an awful lot of problems. Yeah, partly because Rangers have got really good players and they they've, they've got players that can pick passes like that, but. Um, when you're up against, and yeah, again, like we mentioned already, when you know goals change games, it it had Simran been, um, had they had any chance of kind of holding out for something a little bit more, they might have been a bit more, um, a bit more adventurous and a bit more expansive. There might not have been the space for the defenders and the and and you know Ryan Jack to walk 10, 15, 20 yards unopposed and pick a pass. But those passes were finding their mark, and they were, you know, they were they were really causing problems. Um, the other thing I had of note is that we saw a bit more from Kolak than we've seen. I think he he the big advantage is the big advantage for him is he is physical and he scores goals. Like the 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 feeling was he's not as technically gifted as Morelos he's probably not he's not going to occupy defenders um in the same way but he's a good finisher and he um he's in the right place at the right time there was a lot more from him in this he was playing on the shoulder a bit more he was cutting inside an awful lot he, he and, and his goal really lovely move like really um really lovely move from from fashion scala gets the ball to Kolak he drops the shoulder, he plays it on from his left foot to his right foot, turns a couple of defenders and scores, gets away from a couple of tackles. And I don't think we'd seen that before. It's really hard to read anything into it, though, because had had Samirin lasted 15 minutes before they conceded, then we might have known a bit more about where either team is at this stage. But, I mean, you can't even say it was lucky, you know, a, a from the moment the first goal goes in inside the first couple of minutes, you're like, well, this is this is going to be a, a bit of a procession. So, don't know if it's anything more about St. Mirren's top... It doesn't really tell us an awful lot more about St. Mirren's top six credentials. They they had... They, they, they passed the ball around fairly... like, fairly neatly. Rangers let them. They didn't really... They, they had one chance that I've, I've got... No, one chance at 1-0 but it was kind of it was a bit it, it wasn't clear cut um, in any sense um, so I don't know I don't really know it, it, it's kind of with, with uh, Rangers and Celtic games so so often this season it's not been about the result it's been about the momentum and Celtic have been grinding out results without looking like they had a huge amount of momentum or class in the, in the team and um, this week it looked like Rangers kind of blew away St Mirren, who were who who in theory this season were one of their more um, dangerous opponents. Not an awful lot to read into, I'm afraid. No, that was very thorough, Craig. Anything to add before we move on to the final game? <laughs> and I just I really liked Morelos's assist for the fourth goal. Um, I think it was a really like really the perfect weight on the kind of little left footed through ball, which. 
think it doesn't it doesn't necessarily get a lot of credit for the game outside of scoring goals or, or, or that particular aspect of his game kind of on the ball when he when he has to do it and, and that was really nice Sakala I wonder if he's kind of pushed himself ahead of Scott Wright in the pecking order um, which is I mean not a pecking order that anyone wants to be on I think but um, I thought that was um, that was the one thing from because he seemed to play really well and, and Cholak just seems like a, a great finisher I really liked his finish for the second goal as well um, and that's I mean 10 goals in 9 league games is um, quite impressive uh, it's not too bad it's not too bad Right, I think we should just get to our final game, which was Livingston 0, Ross County 1. Fucking knew this would happen as soon as I saw our predictions and literally everybody had picked Livingston to win. And I was like, that's... It's too too close a fixture to really... I thought, well, it's like, was everybody but one? Did somebody have a draw, maybe? Um, but yeah, whenever that happens and it's like too... Like, obviously when we do it for Celtic and Rangers in our predictions, it's more likely that it is going to be Celtic and Rangers that win the game. But it does seem it does seem like every time it's involved two other teams in this league and we all pick one team. It seems like more often than not, the other team wins the game. And that was this one. Ross County winning at Ammonville. <laughs> Craig, from the highlights, it looked like Livingston should have won the game if they'd taken their chances and then kind of get hit by County uh, with a bit of a sucker punch. But from what you kind of said to us very briefly before we, we started recording is that it was just a terrible game in general. Yeah, I mean... Livingston should have won. They were they were the better team um, in the game, but it's the last two weeks I've watched them. It's the last two weeks they've lost a game narrowly that they probably shouldn't have done, and it's the last two weeks that Sean Kelly has cost them against his former club um, as well because <laughs> he missed a penalty last week and then this week. I mean that's a, an abysmal piece of defending. Um, their fans weren't happy. At, I'm I'm kind of playing centre half again, um, and are being in there. I think quite rightly. I, I mean, we've seen him play centre half. Certainly, it's not like an unfamiliar position to him. He play, I think he played there a little bit for um, St Mirren when they played a back three. But Livingston weren't playing a back three. It's kind of we talked about Kingsley in a back three. I think there is a vast difference to playing centre back in a three compared to in a two, and and he doesn't look that comfortable. He looks like he's done all right in midfield, but they've obviously got whole Pittman, um, and and they've been wanting to play Shinny. And, not sure he had his best game, but so he, he's kind of been crowded out and I think Kelly's maybe now becoming his kind of new Marvin Bartley and a player that he just wants to have in the team because he maybe offers kind of on-field leadership and stuff like that a little bit, but basically it, it basically did cost him the game. Ross County, I have still to be impressed by this season. They've got little players that do things in bits and, bits and pieces. I think um, you, you saw... Kind of what um, Hewola and Edwards are capable of. It's a really good strike from Hewola that that obviously hits the bar, and, and Edwards is quite a sharp player. Um, that that's kind of what I've got from him. But Livingston could should have won the game, and one of their issues has been again taking chances as well. Um, Nubly wasn't the the main culprit this time, but you've got a main centre forward who isn't going to score goals. You need your other players to step up, and both Guthrie and then and then Obelai particularly, which was a terrible miss. I think there, there was lots of bad misses this weekend. I think that was the worst, to be honest, because he had two bites at the cherry, and and he makes the lead ball look good, but it, the lead ball should be able to get anywhere near that. Um, and so, I think for the second week running Livingston, I'll be just really disappointed, to be honest. And. It does become a concern because they've got Bruce Anderson sitting on the bench who I, I'm not a big fan of, but he knows how to score a goal. And 
I don't know that any of that front three will score very many. Like Guthrie, I can't make my mind up on, but he looks quite directed in your face rather than necessarily being someone you could, you would bank to score more than like eight goals if you play them all season. I think, and I think from a from a Ross County perspective, it's like they they only made they only made two changes from the team that got absolutely horsed by Motherwell, and you know they ultimately were quite lucky only to lose five. They basically played the same way in this game and won one nil, and like Livy weren't. Livy didn't have as many clear cut chances as that, but there were, you know, there were at least two where you could just get good contact that it's in. And if you think if Livy score one at that point, they're going to score a couple. But I, I am have not been impressed with with County at all so far this season. Um, I think they do have some individual quality. They've yet to look like their team, uh, and. It must be. It'll be frustrating for Livingston to have had as many. I mean, they had twenty three shots on goal. Like nobody outside of Rangers or Celtic gets twenty three shots on goal um, in any given game. Um, didn't score. Had really good chances. Turned the defense inside out. Had really good. Uh, couldn't couldn't find the net. It wasn't like Ross County were playing backs to the wall football. Um, so I don't know what's what. What's the more encouraging to get? Three points from two games, having lost one five nil, and probably deserving to lose the second one, or to lose to one of your, you know, a side that you should be beating because you just can't convert. But um, no, I I think you know credit to Ross County, they, it's a win. It's another three points towards whatever target they've set this season. But they they look awfully awfully light on quality as well. Right, guys, thank you very much. I think that'll do for us. Craig, thank you. Thanks, you're very welcome. And uh, I hope everyone watches and if you can, attends the Scotland game tomorrow night. Um, I'm certainly going and looking forward to it. So, yep, completely, 100%. I would I would love to. I definitely would love to go if I wasn't in, in you know, Italy, enjoying 20-degree weather what, at the time. What a hardship. Yeah, it's, uh, I know, it's a tough life. Tom, five thank you very much. Wine, five euro wine, five euro wine. Yes. Anyone wants <laughs> yeah. to know where the five euro wine is? <laughs> Yes, please let me know soon. <laughs> now, yeah, to thank you to everybody else for listening and your continued support of this podcast. We'll talk to you again very soon. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.